Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Home Daily for Wednesday, June 30th, 2021. On today's episode, we're going to have a spoiler-filled discussion about Loki, episode four, the Nexus event. This is Slash Home editorial director, Peter Serretta. Joining me, as always, is Slash Home weekend editor, Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. Brad, it's almost July. I know. Isn't that crazy? It is crazy. It's like time is... Now fast forwarding after it had been in slow motion for so long. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's talk about this week's episode of Loki. Uh, you know, as always, we break this down to four sections feedback where we answer your questions and bring up stuff that came up since our last recording. Then we go into our brief reactions and then we go into the beat by beat breakdown and into the speculation. But before all that, I want to tell people that if you, have not seen the mid credit scene in this episode, you should probably pause the show, go watch it because it's very important and we're going to talk about it and uh, you don't want to hear about it. You want to see it. So, so there you go. Uh, okay. So let's get into the feedback section. As always, you can send us your questions, theories, comments, concern to Peter at slash Leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention the email on the air. I can't promise you that we'll mention all the emails, but anything that's relevant, uh, it hasn't been disproven by the, the next week's episode, uh, we'll, we'll probably bring up. Um, okay, so in feedback, uh, there was this article over at Heroic Hollywood, which I think was spurred by a a post on Reddit that I just wanted to bring up this is kind of a cool little Easter egg. They noticed that the battle of New York from the Avengers actually took place on May 4th, 2012, which is the day that that movie got released domestically. So that information was revealed on the Tempad, which is highlighted Loki's location um, as the, you know, the date he was there. So I guess Avengers took place in real time. With the movies released, is, is is that a cool detail? It's yeah, it's a fun, a fun little Easter yeah. egg to have the the events yeah. of the battle happening on the day that hit theaters. Yeah, I I think for the most part, a lot of the films took like were 
I think Kevin Feige at one point was like, these films take place in real time. So usually, usually, you know, the time that has gone by since the last film is the time that's gone by in the MCU. Now that that has kind of been thrown out a little bit because now we have prequels like Captain Marvel and and Black Widow. And, well, plus Avengers Endgame jumped ahead five years. Yeah, so. yeah, and then that's <laughs> yeah. So it's a little bit more complicated today. Um, but I think I, I I think we might have even reported on this at one point. But they actually at Marvel Studios have uh, Brad. You might remember what they call it. Do they call it the scroll? They have something that like maps out everything that's happened and when it's happened. It's like. I forget what it was called. Yeah, I don't remember either. It's kind of like how uh, over at Lucasfilm they have the Holocron, which is like this database of everything that's happened uh, canon-wise and non-canon-wise in Star Wars universe. So they they keep track of all that, even though they seem to mess up that Spider-Man thing, right? So Yeah. Yeah. Okay. um, uh, Bartley S. wrote to us on Twitter. He says, love listening to the podcast. You seem to be a bit confused with what's going on with the Loki in the timeline. When Loki picked up the Tesseract, which he wasn't supposed to do, he created a branch in the timeline that became a variant branch. So when the TVA came to take him and prune the timeline branch, they weren't taking him from the main timeline. They were taking him from the branch, which means that the Loki that we've seen in the movies, in the MCU timeline, was never taken. He's still there in, do we want to call it Earth 616, I guess? Um, so there is no plot hole. What, what do you think of this, Brad? Um, it makes sense to a point, but at the same time, I feel like that they, yeah, I guess if that's where it branches off, then the, then the normal timeline continues as it were, and they don't have to put a reset charge there yeah. like they do in the variant branches so yeah i think i think that that works it, it makes sense but i wish they would explain that because they really are very vague on how that whole thing works like because you know in past podcasts i've theorized like you know what what happens to loki because they've taken loki now loki's out of the timeline so everything that was supposed to happen with loki is now not going to happen which is going to cause a different chain of events but, I think I think that's where the explanation yeah. of the branches comes into play because it's you, yeah. it's you know the back to the whole back to the future thing of where it's the, a new timeline starts as soon as Loki left the timeline but that original timeline still exists as if he didn't because the branch is where things are different so yeah. Loki that never actually leaves that timeline because it didn't happen. Yeah, I think what's confusing about it is almost every single piece of time travel um, stories from movies to books have not treated time travel in this way. Yeah, which, which is exactly why <laughs> Avengers Endgame had to do that whole explanation. Yeah, yeah. But I like it. I, I like this explanation, and I think I'm going to go with that. I just wish they could have shown it in some way, maybe with like that Miss Minutes animation or something, because... when you, I think after you think about it, like it makes sense when you when you yeah. think about the branches and stuff like that. But yeah, it's it maybe could have used a little bit of extra yeah. exposition. Yeah, um, I was listening to uh david chen has this uh he does a weekly video with dan i'm gonna mispronounce his last name grovstan i think it is um and i was listening to that uh, while i was going to sleep and during that dan theorized that loki wasn't really drunk in that scene on the train that he was 
when he was singing in, as Guardian, he was doing it as a way of testing Sylvie to see if she was actually who she was claiming to be and claiming to be from Asgard. So I wanted to run that, that theory by you, Brad, because I thought that was an interesting theory that didn't even occur to me. Um, yeah, but like, I don't think that it necessarily, like, he necessarily needed her to prove who she was, because I mean, the fact that she can use <laughs> ma magic and enchant people kind of makes it seem like that's the case. So granted, Sylvie is a character who was given magical powers by Loki and wasn't actually as guardian. So that is a possibility. But but yeah. now knowing what we know, I think that that's clear that that's not the case. Yeah, I think it's clear too. But I, I do like the theory that maybe he was testing out, like, is she actually as guardian? Is she who she seems to be? Right. But um, okay. Uh, someone else, I forget where I got this. So I apologize. I m did not write down the name. But someone else uh, had this theory about that Franklin D. Roosevelt High School pen that was in Ravona Renslayer's office that it belonged to Mobius in his previous life. And maybe, oh wait, this was from you. Yeah, I just I I, <laughs> I I saw I saw it pop up somewhere, and I, I don't remember where I saw it either. But I read it, and then I thought about it later. I was like, oh yeah, I should mention this. But but yeah, it's uh, it's now that we know that all of the TVA employees are variants. It you know it would be an interesting detail if especially if Renslayer is in on it. If she has that pen from the time that she turned him into a variant, and it's something from his timeline when he used to live. I, I the only thing is I feel like they they made so much of a, a a deal about the pen that like I don't know how you pay that off especially especially now that Mobius is you know apparently dead or is he I guess we'll talk about that later <laughs> um, okay uh, we have one last one this came from email this came from Darius in Northern California he writes in or they write in I love the work you do every week I love. I look forward to this podcast every week more than any other. We briefly touched on Sylvie's mother in episode three. However, now I'm wondering about her siblings, specifically Thor. Does the existence of a lady Loki open the door for her female Thor making an appearance in the show? What are your thoughts? Sure. I don't think it will see it um, happen necessarily. It, it, it does open the possibility that maybe Thor is also uh a woman in that version of the uh the Marvel Cinematic Universe as it were um but there's there's a variety of different Lokis and Thors out there probably and if, if it is a female Thor it's, it's not the female Thor that we know since that's Jane Foster um but, yeah. but you know so it would be like a different version but uh yeah I mean that would be cool to see but since I think it's probably too much of a distraction for the story they're trying to tell yeah, they could have shown that in that flashback sequence at the beginning of this episode. If they, I mean, it could have been you know young female Thor. But t tell me this, Brad. I I was under the impression that the variant is the one different thing in this brand. This you know, uh, starting when the branch starts off the thing. So I I would think that there wouldn't be a female Thor. Well, so the thing is, is as we see at the beginning of this episode. Sylvie isn't doing anything that seemed to create a branch. Yeah. So I don't know if it's the, the mere existence of, of her or what, what however that is possible. Um, what, what I'm saying is her mere existence, like would, would multiple, I feel like it would only be the one thing. Do you know what I mean? 
the one person or the one event or the the one variant. I don't think it would be multiple different things. Well, I think that you have to anticipate that if one thing is different, then that probably changes a lot of things in the timeline. Yeah. You know, so like because I, I bet all the I bet the universe isn't exactly the same. You know, in in the a universe where a different Loki exists because that Loki is different. So like the you you, know, you wouldn't necessarily have Chris Hemsworth's Thor. You know, alongside. Uh, you know, a grown Sylvie in that in that universe necessarily. So I, th- I think that it leaves the room open for there to be a lot of things different in each different branch and timeline. By the way, I, I love that we discuss stuff like this that definitely does not matter, is never going to come into play probably yeah. in this <laughs> this show. It's just, I don't know, it's the nerdy stuff that I, I dig. Anyways, okay, let's move on to brief thoughts. Brad, what did you think of this week's episode? Man, this episode uh, threw me for a loop. There was a lot of things that happened that I was not expecting, and I loved every minute of it. It was very cool to see this show go in directions that where we partially predicted some things, but didn't know how they would unfold and how the story would uh, continue and and bring them into the equation. And yeah, it's just, uh, you know, I I feel like Owen Wilson was really on fire this episode. Um, We really got to see um Gugu and Bathara open up as as Renslayer and show a different side the uh you know from the timekeepers to the last 10 minutes of you know this the the series or this episode in general there was just a lot of cool things to take in and I just this is becoming more and more one of my favorite things that Marvel has ever done yeah I I love this show so much I, I will say that last week ended with things getting like really huge in scale. And I thought that this week would kind of continue that, but it's, it's kind of funny that they, they kind of returned back to conversations in small rooms across tables, uh, which is not a bad thing, but it's just not exactly what I expected. But I, I guess what you're saying, I, I agree with a, completely what you're saying. We've been kind of um, trying to outguess this show from the beginning and i'm so glad that this show is going in directions and doing things that i could have never anticipated there's just like a few things that happened in this episode that were like wtf moment like oh my god this is happening like just big huge swings that i possibly i don't think i could have possibly predicted so um and um yeah, and the, the the way the episode ends is pretty bonkers, and that uh, mid credit scene is pretty bonkers. But we'll, we'll get to that. Okay, let's uh, let's jump into the breakdown. Uh, this episode is titled "The Nexus Event," which I like because I, I like when something has dual meanings, Brad. And that Nexus Event could it could mean that event that takes place on Lamentus One uh, between Loki and Sylvie, or it could mean the event that this episode opens up with with Sylvie. Um, some kind of event happened, which is kind of the subject of like, you know, what was, what was that event? Was it really worth, you know, erasing Sylvie for, so like it's multiple layers to it, which I like. Um, so we begin with that flashback to Sylvie as a child on Asgard being arrested by the TVA for being a variant. Um, I want to make note that she's playing with these little toys and she has a, a toy of Valkyrie defeating a dragon, which looks like the dragon from Thor Ragnarok to save Asgard. And she also has like this giant wolf toy next to the boat, which is probably Fenris. So a lot of fun, like little Easter eggs there. And, uh, and speaking of Easter eggs, you have um, 
the Minuteman agent is actually Ravona Renslayer uh, before she became a judge. And her identification is Hunter A23. Brad, do, can you guess why her her identification is Hunter A23? I think we actually talked about this uh, in a previous episode. Oh, did we? Yeah, because it's because we noticed it when her um, you see her helmet sitting among her trophies. And, oh, you did mention that. Yeah, yeah. and it's because, for, for, in case you missed it for whatever reason, it's because Ravona Renslayer first appeared in Avengers issue number 23. Yeah. I completely forgot that you brought that up, but that, yeah, it's because I was totally in her office. Um, okay. Here's, uh, here's my question. It's, it's not clear how Sylvie is a variant, right? Like later in the episode, I think Sylvie expresses that she's a variant because of her mere existence. Right. But like, yeah. it's never really spoken out loud. And she even asked the question later on and it's not answered. Yeah, I, and I think that that's probably the point. Um, I, I've, I have a feeling that this is going to be one of the things that like keys everybody into the idea that they're, uh, the TVA isn't necessarily stopping things that are um, keeping the sacred timeline intact, but they're stopping things that will keep the timeline from falling out of the control of the timekeepers or whoever else is in control of uh, the timeline, as it were. And so I think that it's probably it was probably some anticipatory pre-strike uh maybe knowing what sylvie was going to do and so they were trying to stop it ahead of time by bringing her in and erasing uh that that timeline but they they the whole uh i I guess now that we're talking about reasonings and stuff like that the whole reasoning that the tv or the what the tv agents are told are that they can't stop something before it happens they can only stop the branch after it happens. So you would think that the uh, Renslayer at that point was probably a, like a legit uh, TVA Minuteman agent and wasn't in on things and in on this being a scam and was probably told what went wrong to cause this variant. Right. Uh, I mean, maybe unless she was already in on it and that's, yeah. maybe that's like her first time, like doing something, you know, to start carrying out more nefarious deeds. Yeah. Okay. So the scene ends with Renslayer opening her eyes, uh, while she waits for the elevator doors to open. I, I love how, um, I love when you do flashbacks in movies or TV shows and it's not just like for the, I mean, it, obviously this flashback is for the benefit of us as the viewers, but it's. It's also the one of the characters on screen experiencing that. So she's obviously like thinking back to that moment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one thing I've never noticed before is this door, this uh, elevator door that takes you to the timekeepers as a bunch of triangle shapes on it. And the triangles kind of come together to uh, be like um, what do you, hourglasses. Yeah. yeah. And they're also, but the way they're designed, they also look like, uh, triangular infinity symbols. Yeah, that too. Um, yeah. So, uh, so Renslayer uh, nervously steps into the timekeeper's lair. <laughs> okay. I might be reading too much into this, Brad, but we do find out later in this episode that Renslayer's in on this, right? Mm-hmm. Like that she knows that she, she at least knows that they're all variants. That's that's the one thing we know for sure. Yes, and she, we they know that they killed, um, is that B twenty or yeah C twenty C twenty yeah. Um, 
but she walks nervously into the timekeeper's lair and they seem to be like like they're there. I I I almost get the impression that she doesn't know that the timekeepers aren't real. Yeah, I agree. I think that she has I think she thinks the timekeepers are real. Or at the mm-hmm. very least she's putting on a very convincing face but at the same time why should would she have to do that when she's by herself you know yeah i mean she could be scared to meet someone else that's in that room it doesn't yeah, have to but, be the but yeah perhaps yeah. you know a man behind the curtain situation you know where yeah. she converses with him in that room instead of you know somewhere anywhere else where they're bound to be seen yeah okay so ravona tells mobius that the timekeepers blame her for sylvie getting so close to them and getting away uh do you actually think this is the case or do you think this is something that Ravona is telling Mobius to motivate him in the way that she needs to motivate him? Uh, maybe a little of both, because I'm sure if if it's not actually the timekeepers, you know, that are there and just have some kind yeah. of a proxy, then whoever is probably is concerned about that. Yeah. I mean, who, yeah, whoever's there is probably upset. That she broke in and got so close. Um, so I guess it doesn't really matter who it is. But um, yeah, the next minute she clearly lies to him about Hunter C-20, claiming her mind was scrambled so much by Sylvie that she is now dead. I mean, I guess she's not lying. She is dead. We find out later that she is on the temp pad. It says deceased. Yeah, but well, she was, but yeah, obviously not uh, <laughs> quite as bad uh, in a quite not in quite as bad a shape as she made it seem yeah okay so we cut back to lamentus one uh meteorites are falling to the moon as sylvie tells loki her backstory she explains that quote the universe wants to break free so it manifests chaos uh she ran from the tva until she realized she could live in the shadows of apocalypses and that's where she grew up quote the ends of a thousand worlds which is, I think it's such an interesting, tragic backstory for our character to like, they, they grew up like just living in these apocalypses. Yeah. You're only living where people are about to die. It has to be yeah. super depressing. Yeah. I almost want to see that show or maybe I don't, but um, okay. So back at the TVA, they aren't even able to detect the smallest Nexus event going on because they're hiding in this like apocalyptic scenario, not even a leaf being stepped on that said which i think is interesting because i don't think it's been established how much of an event a nexus event has to be to actually cause like a big enough branch that it's a problem and it's cool that they can kind of like zoom in on the macro level of like even like you know a leaf being crushed that wouldn't like have like huge butterfly effects kind of effects on the world yeah yeah um and I love all this world building. I know some people just don't care, but <laughs> uh, back on Lamentus, Sylvie wonders if being a Loki means to be a loser. And Loki argues that to be a Loki means to be a survivor. Um, Loki says that she's amazing and she's touching his arm. And just then the TVA sees this big Nexus event and is able to apprehend them seconds before the destruction of the moon. Brad, uh, I gotta ask you, what, what what do you think caused this Nexus event? Uh, I mean, is it, is it love? Is it just love? Is that what it is? I think that that's yeah. I think that that's what it's supposed to be. Is that it's? I mean, um, 
presumably, you know, Loki having these feelings for the first time is a big thing because it's maybe changing who he is and what he's capable of feeling. Um, so I, yeah, I, I, I think so. Cause I mean, Mobius laid it, lays it out saying that it's just pure chaos that's between them. But I think that it's clear, especially at the very end of this episode, that it's love manifesting itself through Loki. The weird thing here, I think, I think the showrunner said somewhere that there's not going to be a relationship, a like a romantic relationship between Loki and Sylvie. Well, just because there won't won't be doesn't mean that it's there isn't there. Yeah, yeah that there isn't a lead up to it because I, you know, them saying that it could them easily uh, be saying that it, it doesn't actually come together, even though you know there's the possibility of it happening. Yeah, I was thinking like maybe if if you want to skirt that even more, maybe it's the finding oneself in another person, kind of like that connection of, uh, you know, I mean, I mean, they say in this episode a couple times, I think, of how he's alone. Yeah, in this universe, well, and, and I, I also think that this love doesn't necessarily have to be romantic either. You know, like I, th- I yeah. think it's he could be like. Not as, and not even uh, about loving himself, but just recognizing what he see, like what he sees in Sylvie, he starts to see in himself. And so, in a way, I guess you could say it, it's like about love, him loving himself. But I think it's just about recognizing somebody else's pain and seeing the similarities between her and him. Yeah, um, Mobius comments on how unusual and how big that branch that's caused by this nexus event is, which. I don't know. I feel a little silly diving into this, Brad, because I I think it clearly is kind of like some kind of love or connection. But it almost feels like the show wants us to ask, like, what happened there? Because, like, the whole episode is the TVA, like, you know, interrogating them, trying to find out what happened. Yeah, for sure. But, yeah, so I I don't know. Is it silly or is it, like, is it just purely answered in the way that we we assume here yeah i mean i think that they'll probably have to explain it more clearly um in the ne- the remaining two episodes but yeah I th- i'm pretty sure that's the implication i just don't know how like finding love or finding a connection with someone in a place that they cannot escape from so they're in this apocalyptic event how that creates a branching timeline where we've already seen that there's no possible way to branch a timeline do you know what I mean? I don't know. Okay, maybe I'm reading too much into this. We'll, we'll, we'll come back to that probably in the next two episodes, I'm assuming. But uh, Mobius and Loki argue as if... Uh, well, they argue for a bit, and then uh, Loki gets put into this bad memory prison, uh, but before he can... Ken, he tells Mobius that the TVA are lying to him. So he's in this mind prison. Loki is back on Asgard, and is confronted by an angry Sif and it uh, happens over and over again on a loop. I wanted to hear your thoughts on this whole, this whole sequence. Well, it's funny, obviously to begin with (laughs) (laughs) Um, very surprising to see uh, Jamie Alexander back as lady Sif. And uh, it's cool. And by the way, it's her first MCU uh, appearance since Thor dark world. If you, unless you count, that time that she was on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, but uh, Marvel pretends that show doesn't exist, so I think we should also pretend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so she, um, she's seeing her back was was cool, and 
interestingly enough too, this the idea of Loki cutting her hair um, just to mess around with her is something that's actually found in Norse mythology. Um, there's this 13th century tale where Loki wanted to mess with Thor um, by cutting Sif's hair. Because in mythology, Sif is actually blonde and she has this very long, luscious, flowing hair that Thor views as this like beautiful thing that's almost like a treasure to him. And so to mess with Thor, Loki cuts all of her hair off. Uh, so that's kind of a fun thing to in- insert actual mythology into uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But, you know, uh, it's it's cool. It's just, um, I, I, what I liked is seeing another tool that the TVA has at their disposal to deal with variants and things like that. And it kind of shows just, I guess, how cruel they can be, too, to, um, to prisoners and things like that. So just to mess with them and break them down, figure out uh, what's going on. So... I, I liked how the sequence, you know, e- evolved and turned from something of him being exasperated to like, you know, kind of collapsing on himself. And it was, yeah, it was a, a, a great sequence. Yeah. And I, I love that, like you say, the TVA, they're so obsessed with time and that all their weapons deal with time in some way. And their version of a prison cell or a torture cell is basically this time loop where Loki has to uh, relive this particular moment over and over again. Uh, and it seems like they knew what moment it was going to be because when he came came out, uh, Mobius mentioned Sif. So do you think they were trying to do anything in particular with that? Or they were just like, find a moment in his life where he was like kicked in the balls and make him relive that. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, I think that that's definitely what it was. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Mobius meets uh, with Renslayer and tries unsuccessfully to convince her to let him interrogate Sylvie. He's told to break um, Loki and find out what caused this Nexus event. So on his way back to Loki, he sees B-20 and other Minutemen. Well, hold on a second. Oh, did I miss something? Yeah. Uh, so during this, during that scene where they're talking in, in Ravana's office, yeah. Um, when he signs the paperwork to close the case, there's a very brief moment where Mobius, again, looks at the pen and takes a moment to, like, register it. Hmm. <laughs> so it's definitely important some people think we're making too big of a deal of this pen brad yeah brad. I, I put i put uh, in our easter eggs post for this episode i put a screenshot of the exact moment and it's very intentional where he like yeah. he after he signs he looks again almost as like a you know thinking back like man this pen <laughs> i will bet money this pen comes back in some way i'm just saying um okay so on his way back to loki he sees b20 and other Minutemen. they're guarding sylvie's time theater and uh, Mobius says that, uh, oh, yeah, there, there's a fun moment where he's talking to them and he's like, we've brought in Kree, Titans, vampires, which I think is kind of funny because they're obviously, well, Titans is the race that Thanos was from and uh, vampires. This is the first time, I guess, in the MCU they're making vampires canon and it teases the upcoming Blade movie that's eventually going to happen. Do we have a date on that? No, they haven't dated that or, or anything. Um, it also could be possible that uh, I doubt this, but since we have a Morbius movie coming up, it could be a reference to that as well. Sure, Brad, sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so B20 asks what Loki said, and Mobius tells her that he said the TVA are lying. Uh, something seems to register with her, which we'll come to later. 
Uh, Loki is still in the time cell, having a self-aware epiphany about himself. And Sif reacts by telling him he is uh, he's alone and he's always going to be alone. So, uh, yeah. So, um, so Mobius and Loki sit down at the, in the time theater and Mobius lies and says that Sylvia was pruned and discovers Loki's emotional connection to her. Uh, Mobius calls it a sick, twisted romantic relationship, which I, I have to bring this up, Brad. There are two versions of one person, right? So if they did end up getting together, is that incest? Hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's either incest or it's masturbation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, fair enough. Okay. Uh <laughs> But uh, yeah, I, I guess they don't. They probably don't want us to think too much about it. But they do bring it up. Um, Mobius says that it's our chaos and, that could break reality. Wait, sorry. <laughs> Mobius says that uh, that the mo- the chaos of like two of the same person falling in love uh, could break reality. So his theory is that's what's caused the Nexus event. Um, do you buy that? Um. There's probably more to it than that. It's an it's an interesting idea, but I feel like there has to be more to it than that. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, Mobius reveals that she that he's still. Oh wait, sorry, <laughs> I'm misreading my notes here. Uh, Mobius reveals that Sylvie's still alive, and Loki explains to Mobius that all the TVA members are variants, kidnapped from the timeline, and mind wiped. Uh, Mobius doesn't believe him at first, or maybe he does, but you know, convinces himself not to. Uh, B fifteen is distressed. She looks at uh, this poster uh, with a mustache man. It says, "Did you get them all?" Question mark. Verify through deletion. So she meets with Sylvie, opening a time door, taking Sylvie with her, and they meet outside uh, Rock's cart. That apocalypse that we saw in the second episode and sylvie tells her the truth about the timekeepers she shows her a look back at her past and it is enough to convince her she says i was happy um so in renslayer's office we see the tape to tape system playing like a music of a thurman and here's the uh the the moment in this podcast where it's pete was wrong in a previous episode i said i, I theorized that the tape to tape system was being used to record Renslayer and Mobius's conversation, but apparently it's just there to play background music. So I was wrong. Um, Ravana uh, asked Mobius if he could go anywhere, where would he go? He says he likes being here now doing the work. Uh, Mobius asked why he wasn't allowed to interrogate Sylvie and Ravana says that she didn't want him to get see what happened. Wait, that she, she didn't want to see what happened to C twenty happen to him. So it's a, a good deflection there. Uh, I almost felt like in this moment that Mobius was buying it before he actually steals the tempad. What, what were your thoughts like when you're initially watching? Yeah, I think that he maybe accepted it for a moment, but I think that he's too good of too good at his job to let yeah. what Loki said go. Yeah. And Ravonna says that Mobius 
that the, the timekeepers want to oversee the variance printing and they want him to be there too. And I almost feel like that's the moment where he kind of like was like, oh, this whole time I've wanted to meet them. I've never met them. They're going to prune Loki. Uh, and they want me there too. Something's up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so he steals the temp pad while uh, Ravona is putting something on the trophy shelf. Uh, Ravona even gives this nice speech, which, uh, you know, that their friendship is uncommon and worth fighting for, which felt kind of weird, but okay, fine. Uh, Mobius decides to leave uh, after just one drink, which makes Ravona very suspicious. And in the library, Mobius takes out takes a look at B20's interrogation video on Renslayer's Tempad. Not only does this confirm what Loki told him, but Ravana knows and is lying to him. And uh, I just want to say how I love how the video plays in this Tempad. It almost looks like a video on one of those old like CD-ROM or PlayStation games. Like it's like very like I want to say pixelated, but it's yeah, yeah. Um, so again, uh, again, we are confirming that Ravana, she, she knows that, or she seems to, wait, actually, do, do we know that she knows that they're all variants? Because she just knows that this person is saying that and she's going to shut him, shut her up and kill her for saying it. Uh, it could go either way. I, I think yeah. I, I think it's safe to say that she probably does know yeah. every everyone is variants, but yeah, it's 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 possible that it could go the other way as well. Yeah, uh, Mobius tells Loki that he was right and he believes him. Uh, there's a sweet moment where Mobius tells Loki that he could be w- whatever he wants to be, even someone good, in case anyone told him different. Um, yeah, there's some great moments here with Owen Wilson. I like. Um, uh, he he's doing a great job in the series. He like again, I, I think he deserves a bigger career than he he has today. Uh, Ravana is waiting for them and asks for Tempad back, and Mobius does a good job of pretending like he didn't know, and but she's not buying it. And Mobius gives up on the facade and tells her that he would like to go back to whenever he's from before the TVA kidnapped him. "Quote: Maybe I had a jet ski." Here's the only disappointment, Brad. I feel like this is the the payoff to the jet ski thing. I initially thought so as well and was disappointed, but I think it's possible that we could still get our, a bigger payoff with it. Okay. So you still think we're going to see Owen Wilson on the jet ski? Yeah. Okay. Um, but, it, yeah. So uh, a Minuteman agent using his time erasing baton... Do they have a name for that thing? No, I don't think so. I think it's just a, it's just been referred to as the TVA baton so far. And yeah, uh, uses it to disintegrate Mobius from this world. So, so this happens like in a moment. I'm like, wait, wait, what? <laughs> Did not expect that. Yeah. First of all, I thought like if Mobius died, it would be like an heroic like the last episode of the season or something like that. Yeah. Oh, how did you feel? No, I was totally blown away, and I was like, oh, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> yeah like what is the rest of the show if you don't have mobius yeah but uh we'll get to that in the speculation uh ravona realizes that b15 has been compromised and calls out uh uh to to have her like captured uh renslayer takes the two variants by herself into the elevator to see the timekeepers 
Uh, Sylvie asks Renslayer if she remembers what her Nexus event was. Uh, she smiles like really like sinisterly and says she doesn't remember. Which yeah, and that's what that's what made me think that she was already in on it back then. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she obviously we know that she remembered the event of her capture because clearly in that first scene that was her memory of remembering encountering Sylvie. So, but we don't know for sure that she remembers what the Nexus event was. So I don't know. Yeah, I could go either. But yeah, she does seem very sinister here. And uh, the elevators open up and are presented. Uh, the um, the two variants are presented to the timekeepers, who are on these like floating chairs in front of these neon glowing symbols. And in the the big room has like a lot of mist. And there's like, what do you call those? Uh, Penrose steps. Or like yeah. in the background, yeah, yeah, it's a, for like from MC Escher paintings. Yeah, you've seen them in like uh, the movie Labyrinth, the movie um, uh, Inception. I think has the Penrose steps. Um, they go in like all every di- every which way. It's kind of cool, uh, but they're hard. To, like you don't really notice them, but they're in the background there. Um, and it's so not, and it's not just the steps that repeat either, but it looks like the. The area where the timekeepers sit also repeats itself because you see that red glowing accent in a variety of different shots. Oh, I didn't even notice that. Um, okay, so now we we actually meet the timekeepers for the first time, and we saw them, you know, in statue form previously at the beginning of this episode. We saw them kind of in silhouette, but now we actually see them talking and moving. Uh, I, I gotta admit, when they started talking, uh, Ketra started laughing. Like, it seems they, it's very weird, Brad. What was, what was your first impression of the timekeepers? I was just so caught up in like, wait, what? They're they're real? <laughs> like this, that sucks. <laughs> um, and like, but and and then you when you start looking at the details, it's like they are very weird. Like they're very, you know, space lizard esque. Like they, you know, have been described. So it was it was very odd, and just yeah, the way that they talked and everything, it just felt like a very formal you know cosmic weird thing <laughs> yeah uh loki wondered out loud if they've really brought them there to kill them the timekeepers say they are no threat to them but obviously they are a threat if they're there and they're going to be erased from existence so um sylvie believes they are scared of them but the timekeeper says they are nothing but a cosmic disappointment uh, B-15 arrives just in time from the elevator, deactivates their time callers for all time, always, she says. Uh, we have this big fight sequence where Loki and Sylvie take on the Minutemen guards. Sylvie takes out all, all of hers and then goes one-on-one with Renslayer. Ren uh, she punches her on Hondras just as Loki takes out his Minutemen. And one of the timekeepers pleads with sylvie that she's quote a child of the timekeepers too and that they should talk to which she slings her sword at the center timekeeper decapitating him there's like sparks flying the head is revealed to be this huge animatronic robot head so the timekeepers are not real or definitely not what they seem to be and loki says the question out loud that we're all supposed to be asking, then who created the TVA? Uh, Loki tries to confide in Sylvie about his feelings, but Renslayer hits him with the baton, disintegrating him. 
another WTF moment, right? Yeah, totally floored me. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, how do you have a show called Loki and now there's no Loki? Yeah. I mean, there is a Loki, but it's a female Loki. Uh, so Sylvie gets the upper hand with a Renslayer and could take the death blow, but instead demands she tell her everything. And of course, with that, we cut to credits. The credits have the song, If You Love Me, performed by Patti LaBelle, written by Brenda Lee. And I do want to mention that the lyrics of the song are, if the sun should tumble, uh, wait, the sun should tumble from the skies, if the sea should suddenly run dry, if it seems that everything is lost, I will smile and never count the cost. If you love me, really love me, let it happen, darling, I won't care. So, just, uh, just to clarify, I think this song is actually performed by Brenda Lee. Oh, is it? Yeah, I think. Okay, she, maybe I, I, thinking... think, I think she. I think she did the original version, but there's there are probably several singers who have covered it over the years. Okay, well, thanks for the clarification. I think my Shazam or whatever told me Patty Lavelle. Um, yeah, I, I I could very well will be wrong, but I know when I looked it up, like, and yeah. I. Um, I, and I found the actual song. It had her name attached to it as the singer. So I, I okay. think I think that's the case. But if yeah. we're wrong, I'm sure someone will tell us. <laughs> yeah, I think it was originally written and sung by Brenda Lee. So I'm just not sure if that's a different version or the. But you listened to it. It was the original version. Yeah, the one that I found okay. anyway. Yeah. Okay. Uh, fair enough. And of course, there's this mid credit scene before we talk about speculation because I feel like that's that last scene just is all all the questions I have. We're just going to put in speculation. But um, so Loki wakes up he's on his back he asks is this hell am i dead by the way the subtitles spell hell h-e-l which is the asgardian version of hell the final resting place of death in the nine realms if you don't go to uh, uh, valhalla you go to hell h-e-l uh in the comics i think like thor saved sif from hell and it might be in the mcu oh yeah he sends hella to hell uh odin sends hella to hell i think um anyway so this voice says not yet but you will be unless you come with us and we reveal these three or actually we'll say four loki's looking down at him there's a black man there's an older man there's a little kid and the little kid has a crocodile crocodile which is also a loki and uh yeah brad do you want to tell us more about these loki's <laughs> sure um i mean so the the credits actually gave them uh all names which is good because it helps us to kind of differentiate you know uh who is who and and whatnot so we have um one of them is kid loki who has a big role uh in in marvel comics especially um the the, the agent loki run that there was would, where a lot of there's been some inspiration in this show that has come from that including some of the various loki's that we've seen um and then we also have uh the the black man who's holding a hammer which looks like a loki version of mjolnir possibly is referred to as boastful loki and uh this character doesn't seem to have um a place in marvel comics as far as we can tell so i'm wondering if this is a new creation for the MCU that might be like a combination of Thor and Loki um, or a so, Loki. So it's like, what if Loki had picked up the hammer instead of Thor? Yeah. And interestingly enough, there is a, um, a an issue of Marvel's what if comic um, that does deal with that, the, where the exact question is, what if Loki uh, wielded Thor's hammer or, or um, and so uh, fun, funnily enough, that issue of what if is number 47 
and the time theater that Sylvie gets put in is time theater 47. Maybe a link, maybe not. Who knows? Hmm. Um, and then, uh, so the other one we have is uh, Richard E. Grant as classic Loki, and he's dressed in the original Loki design from the old school Marvel comics that looks a little bit ridiculous now. You know, bright yellow, bright green. He's got a cape, huge horns. It, it uh, almost looks like a bad cosplay because that's how the costumes looked. Yeah, and... it's it's comparable to the costumes that like uh, Wanda and Vision wore in their Halloween episode of WandaVision. Yeah. By the way, Richard E. Grant obviously has been in many films, including uh, Hudson Hawk, The Player, uh, Bram Stoker's Gr- uh, Dracula, The Age of Innocence, Godsford Park, Logan. With Nail and, Star- and I. Yeah. Uh, Star Wars, Rise of Skywalker. Who's in that? Um Oh, and we should mention that the the Kid Loki is like it looks exactly like the comics. Yes, yeah, a perfect rendition of Kid Loki, and he's also holding Crocodile Loki, which has a little a horn helmet on. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't think that's in any of the comics. But we have seen a Frog Thor, right? Yeah, there's been so, a Frog Thor. Yeah. Um, so is this like a spider pig kind of thing? It could be. Yeah, I think that that's probably the, like the idea there. Um, but yeah, it's a little ridiculous. It is a little I ridiculous. Like it. Yeah, and, and also we should we should mention that they're all standing in like an apocalypse, like the aftermath of an apocalypse. You see the destroyed Stark Tower behind them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's not clear if this is like meant to be just a destroyed New York City. I'm actually thinking where we are if we want to go straight into speculation. Yeah, let's jump into speculation. Um, this is obviously where people go when they have been hit with that baton. They're not disintegrated from existence. Or, or reset they're sent to this place that feels like some kind of purgatory and so seeing all these lokis i think feeds into the idea that the timekeepers or whoever is behind the timekeepers um is has been trying to maybe get rid of lokis because they know that they're the ones who are able to create such chaos in the timeline or maybe it just so happens that Lokis are the only ones who are mischievous enough to create problems in the timeline so frequently. But um, since we, you know, obviously saw Mobius get hit with the baton, he's got to be somewhere there too. And with all these buildings and stuff there that are wrecked and destroyed in, you know, disheveled and stuff, I have a feeling that maybe this is where everything goes when it's a either A, hit with the baton, or B, affected by the reset grenade. Hmm. I like that theory. That, 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 I agree with that theory. I know some people I saw online were theorizing that maybe uh, B20 or Renslayer is actually not as bad as we think she was. And they reprogrammed the batons to send them to like whatever this other world is instead of killing the people. But I don't think that's the case. I think you're right. I think when you're pruned, you're actually not killed. You're sent to this um other that's kind of out of time yeah yeah but it's weird though because when you look at uh hunter b15 on the tempad it said that she was deceased but i mean i guess they could just be calling anybody that's outside of that that timeline yeah and they also just, could could have just killed her just killed her yeah that's true um okay so We've already answered where is Loki. This is like probably some kind of other 
You're, you're saying a purgatory. I almost think it's like another multiverse. It's. I mean, it's possible that it could be a like a yeah another another branch where they're sending all these people like a, a dead timeline maybe or something like that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> how do you think we're gonna get to see Mobius again? Like, do you think he's just been sent there because he was also hit with the baton? That seems like the easy. Yeah, that's what that's what I'm thinking because and I because yeah. I feel like. I don't think that you can just send Mobius away like that without resolving certain things for his character. Well, there were some other people that had this theory. I didn't bring it up in previous episodes that uh, actually, I think you might've brought it up. I'm not sure that the <laughs> Renslayer actually had other analysts working for her that were actually other Mobiuses. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yes. I think somebody else had mentioned that. Yeah. And so that the pen thing uh from was from the other favorite analyst was actually from another mobius and then there would be another variant mobius at tva and i don't know if that's like easy to explain in the next two episodes they've explained a lot actually so i don't know uh i think it's probably more likely the printing sticks just don't kill someone they send them to this strange uh storage multiverse timeline and i'm guessing this is also where loki is going to become president this is like all these like misfit Lokis that like kind of like uh, champion him. Yeah, I, I don't necessarily know. It, it, it might not be only Lokis because I don't think that if we look at that shot, there yeah. are any other Lokis, but probably anybody who is stuck there. The question is, how do you get out of there? Because he doesn't have a temp pad. And this time you don't have Mobius looking for you. Hmm. Uh, I, I, well, we have two more episodes to figure that out. Um, so you think all these people are variants that have been hit with the baton, pruned out of existence. That that kind of explains everything, I think, to me. I guess the big question, the really big question here is, who is behind the timekeepers? What is their motivation? Do you think Kang still fits into this because if King was behind this and he's making this whole facade to have these timekeepers, why would he make the middle timekeeper robot look like him if he didn't want anybody to know he was behind it? Uh, that's, a fair, that's a fair question. Um, and I, I don't have an answer for it. Um, the seeing the timekeepers in that fashion, I think does kind of shoot some holes in the, the possibility of King uh, being behind it unless the entire vision of you know the, the timekeepers itself uh you know is his creation and he doesn't look like that or looks looks different because honestly the the manifestation of what the timekeeper that would be kang looks less like kang than the cartoon version um did so i don't yeah. i'm not necessarily sure I, I buy it as much anymore um, but yeah, that's, it's, it's a big question that I'm, I'm not entirely sure because not, especially now that we've seen that Renslayer seems to think that the timekeepers were real, I'm not sure who is pulling those strings. Also, who is behind this and why would they build these three very elaborate animatronics with this whole like lighting package and this fog and all the stuff. It's like, you know, Disney attraction on crack. Yeah. It's, it's very Wizard of Oz-esque. Why would they build that for only one person ever to go up there and, and like it doesn't seem like many people have ever seen the timekeepers. So like, well, I don't necessarily think it's for one person because like the one thing that we don't know is how long the TVA has been in operation. Oh yeah, and when you know when Renslayer, uh, we see her in that flashback. There's an entirely different judge um, because she's just a Minuteman still. 
what happened to that judge? Yeah, and they so I know how many people you know are permitted to see the timekeepers. Um, and so yeah, it's uh, lots of questions, lots of questions. By the way, I forgot to mention. I don't know how I skipped over it, but um, when we see the flashback of Sylvie actually getting arrested at the TVA, she sees this man that is um, uh, kind of like freaking out. Mm-hmm. It's a man with a mustache. And uh, he's someone that's been apprehended by the TVA, a variant. And I just want to point out that that same actor is a TVA agent uh, in episode two at the end of the episode where they're like monitoring the timeline as it's like collapsing as uh, the reset chargers have been sent all over the timeline. He's one of the TV agents that is working at the TVA. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Or at least it looks like him a lot. So I, I, I'm pretty sure it is. Uh, My other thing, you know, every week I, I do a search for, for Loki on Twitter just to see what people are saying. And one, one person was saying this. I just wanted to bring it up to see what your thoughts on this were, Brad. I don't know if this, like, I don't see how this could play out, but what if Mobius was actually a Loki variant? Hmm. Um, hmm. That's interesting. But I feel like all of his other traits that are explained by him being a person before he was a TVA agent, such as like yeah. liking the nineties drinks and being obsessed with jet skis and stuff like that, I think probably blows that out of the water. Yeah. No, I, I tend to agree with you there. So, okay. So we got two episodes left, Brad. Uh, how did they escape this place? What is the end of this? How does this all tie together? I feel like they're, I'm not quite, like I usually at this point in the Marvel thing, I can kind of see the the end game. Yeah. And here I don't really see the end game. Yeah, I don't know either, especially after this episode. It threw so many curve bar, curve bars, curve balls our way. <laughs> um, and it's yeah, it's tough to see where this is going, especially because like we know it, it has to end up with the multiverse being spawned and a bunch of different timelines branching out and probably the TVA being destroyed. Oh, I wanted to ask you about that, too. Yeah. So at the end of episode two, she sends all those reset charges all throughout the time, granting the uh, creating all these branching timelines. The TVA is freaking out. We cut to a cliffhanger, and then episode three is like this bottle episode, and we never got to see what happened to all that. Do, are we to just assume they fixed it all? Uh, I, I guess so. I, I mean, I don't know if it was ever intended to do anything beyond be a distraction, because I'm not sh- necessarily yeah. sure what it accomplishes other than just creating chaos for them to to follow i i guess you it's, I, I guess people like us just assume that it might create the multiverse because we're reading into things of this leading possibly into dr strange in the multiverse madness which is written by the same person and so it's probably just assumptions on our part not it was just supposed to be a distraction yeah is what i'm saying yeah. yeah but um but yeah so i i think that that will still end up coming to fruition but i yeah, I'm just not sure where this leaves, where the series will leave Loki. If it'll leave it in a place where his story can continue outside of the TVA, um, you know, I, yeah, I just, I don't, I don't know. There's just, there's so many unknowns that it's just not easy to guess where it's going. Hmm. Uh, I also wanted to mention I went back to Avengers Campus for the first time since it opened, and I got to meet Variant Loki, 
and uh, I asked him some questions and stuff. And that video is going to be up on, uh, or actually it's up today on Ordinary Adventures. So if you want to check that out, um, but it's fun how Marvel, unlike uh, Star Wars with Galaxy's Edge, they're able to change things out week to week. Like uh, they had props from Loki that they have changed out. Like they had, um, when I was there, they had uh, Loki's daggers in one of the um, the case, the collector's cases, oh. his exhibition cases. And I think the day after I left, they replaced it with the um, Sylvie's weapon that uh, Renslayer puts on on the wall. So uh, I don't know what's there today, but it, it's just kind of cool that they're as these shows are airing, they're doing different changes. I also wonder, I haven't like looked online or anything. I, I also wonder like now that variant Loki has been disintegrated, if he's no longer going to be appearing at Avengers campus. So, <laughs> uh, maybe I'll answer that next week. Uh, but okay. You can find more of all of our work at slash from the com. You can find this podcast on Apple, Google, overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at peter.com. And please, if you enjoyed this podcast, head on over to Apple Podcasts, write a like one or two sentence review, giving us five stars. Tell your friends, spread the word. We'll see you tomorrow. Baseball fans, BetMGM is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season. Step into the batter's box for BetMGM Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. Pick any area of the strike zone and take your best swing. If you get a single, double, triple, or home run, you'll receive a prize. Smash a home run to collect a bonus bet on us. Just log into your BetMGM Sports account to get started. Then visit your promotion section to access the Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. You'll score a prize if you hit a single, double, triple, or home run. There's nothing more exciting than going yard. So swing for the fences with the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. Must be 21 plus and present in Ohio. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards vary depending on the market and expire 24 hours from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER and partnership with MGM Northfield Park.